Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast. This show is dedicated to the memory of my big sister, Rebecca, a fan of all things pop culture, particularly of the people, places, and things that define the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Welcome aboard this pop culture time machine. I'm Amy Lewis. This is episode number 87, the top holiday toys of the 1990s for each year from 1990 to 1999. If you have been a long-time listener of the show, then you may remember that we did a similar show around this time last year, but that covered the year spanning from 1980 to 1989. By the end of this episode, though, you will know which toy line refused to be sold in chain stores, which daytime talk show host created some toy-seeking chaos, and which item on this list has led to injuries and, in some cases, even deaths because that will get you into the holiday spirit. Anyways, grab your stocking, your holiday pajamas, and some hot cocoa. Here we go. The top holiday toy of 1990 was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Splinter the rat taught them each the ninja arts. Donatello, master of the staff. Leonardo, the katana blade. Raphael, the soldier. And Michelangelo, the new chocolate. Radical uh, and master of the willing pizza. Hey, who had the pepperoni and ice cream? This isn't the first time that the Turtle Clan have appeared on a holiday bestseller list. They were actually a top holiday toy in the late 1980s as well. The action figures came to fruition when a businessman and licensing agent named Mark Friedman approached the two creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and offered them a deal to create toys and a television series. This was based off of their comic book series. The company he worked for made the foursome a little bit different and sort of softened them up a little bit from their comic book days. The Turtles became obsessed with pizza, and they replaced their potty mouse with catchphrases like cowabunga and turtle power. They also made the story's villains, Shredder and the Foot Clan, less aggressive and more sort of absent-minded. Further, the turtles were also given their own color scheme, which was displayed on a mask as well as elbow and knee pads. Don't need a helmet, but you do need elbow and knee pads even if you're fighting people. Makes a lot of sense. The hope was that by focusing on colors, people wouldn't focus on their weapons as much. They also softened the intensity of the turtles and gave them each their own distinct personality. The hope was to make them more appealing to not only young children, but also their parents. Gosh, I wonder why... Oh, right. They're the ones that are shelling out a lot of money for Christmas presents. That makes sense. For example, Leonardo was given a blue mask with blue accents. He was looked to as being sort of the leader of the group, and part of that may have had to do with the fact that he was the oldest. He is very committed and dedicated to the study of martial arts. His weapon is a sword. Michelangelo was given orange accents. He is the lighthearted, addicted-to-pizza member of the group. He's a bit more immature compared to the other turtles, but ultimately, he means well. Kind of like myself. 
Anyways, he likes to read comic books and his weapon is nunchucks. Raphael was given a red mask and red accents. He is a very serious fighter and a loyal brother to the other turtles. He can be irritable and short-tempered at times. His weapon is a pair of scythes, which are essentially small swords with three sharp points on each. Donatello has a purple mask and accents. He is the inventor and creative genius of the group. He is not as quick to fight as the others. His weapon is a bow, which is a large wooden stick. Needless to say, Turtles reigned for a very long time. They were extremely popular, especially in 1990. If you'd like to learn more about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shameless plug, I do have a full episode detailing the whole story of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Say that 10 times fast, which was a really fascinating story. And that is episode number 50 of the podcast. In 1991, the top-selling holiday toy was Super Nintendo. There's that over there. I just love all the new things Kmart has here. Oh, I can see that. So that's the new Super Nintendo Entertainment System. What about it? They say it has 16-bit technology, whatever that means. Oh, I see. What else do they say? That it has 3D graphics and digital stereo sound, and that Super Mario World is included. Okay, okay, we'll get it for them. So, how long did he work on Super Nintendo is also referred to as Super NES, which I'll probably say interchangeably throughout this podcast episode. It was developed by the Nintendo Company, of course. It was released in Japan in 1990 and then in the United States in 1991. This version was improved over the original Nintendo by having enhanced graphics and sound. The system could display 2D graphics and even 3D graphics, though on a more limited basis. There were just three games available when Super NES was released. They were Super Mario World, Pilot Wings, and F-Zero. Super NES sold almost 50 million units before it was discontinued in 2003. And, allegedly, if you owned a Super NES for any period of time, I did not. Um, Nintendo and Sega were about as far as me and my sister got. But if you owned a Super NES for any period of time then you may remember that over the course of time, the consoles often turned a shade of yellow. Yuck. This was due to the choice of plastics that Nintendo made when they decided to put together the Super NES, not a result of it not working well. So I'm so sorry to those of you who have a yellow Super Nintendo entertainment system. I bet it doesn't look very nice. I'm so sorry. And, you know, if you want to learn more about the whole story of Nintendo... Again, shameless plug, there's just there's just so many tie-ins with this episode with some of my other ones, so I you know, just have to mention it. So I did Nintendo very early on in the show. It's episode number five, and listen with caution, because your early episodes are good information, but a little bit dicey. Anyways, the top-selling toy of 1992 was the Talk Boy. Now you can be as clever as Kevin with Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder. Stop drooling on me. Stop drooling on me. It even has speed control. Hi, kids. We're home early. Hi, kids. We're home early. Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder comes with audio cassette. The Talkboy was a tape cassette voice recorder and player based off of the device Kevin McAllister had in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. The device allowed kids to record their voices and either speed it up or slow it down. 
In the movie, Kevin uses the device to check into a hotel, order food, etc. You could also play cassette tapes out loud. And I remember being a little, I don't know, stinker in junior high and recording the Little Mermaid soundtrack onto a, onto a tape and bringing that to school to listen to in the hallway when we did schoolwork and then, you know, shutting it off really quickly when I heard the door open the teacher was coming out. What a good use of my time. Anyways, in 1993, the top-selling holiday toy was Sega Genesis. Sega was released in the United States in 1989. It is actually named after a book in the Bible, a first of its kind, sort of meant to sort of depict that there was going to be a new age of video games. In 1991, Sega released Sonic the Hedgehog, which ended up being a huge hit. People started buying the Sega Genesis system just so that they could play the game. And I will say, as a very dated video game player, Sonic the Hedgehog was a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. The price of the console was actually dropped by about $10 in the early 1990s, which motivated even more people to purchase Sega Genesis. And at the end of 1993, Sega Genesis dominated the home video game market with 60% market share. This came after several years of what was dubbed the console wars between Sega and the Nintendo company. 1994 was a year of the Power Rangers. And in case you're not super familiar, I'm vaguely familiar, kind of remember it, but The Power Rangers was a television show about a colorful group of superheroes that first aired in 1993. An excerpt from the New York Times dated December 5th, 1994, describes The Power Rangers and their rise to fame. Quote, Welcome to December, holiday shopping, mistletoe, and the nation's second annual Mighty Morphin Power Rangers shortage. Wait, another case of missing morphins? It was not supposed to be this way. After all, the manufacturer cranked up 11 additional factories and said it is shipping 10 times the number of Power Ranger toys that it did last Christmas. Then the toys were so scarce that parents actually camped overnight outside stores to buy whatever they could get. It's kind of pathetic. Anyways, this year there are plenty of Power Rangers accessories, goodies like wristwatches, clothes, and lunchboxes, but there are also spot shortages of some Power Rangers characters. On Friday, for example, Macy's at Herald Square and the FAO Schwartz store on Fifth Avenue were sold out of the scarcest of the Rangers figures, the white and pink ones. The Toys R Us stores in the New York City suburbs said that the sought-after figures they had were selling quickly and new shipments would blow out of the store, as one buyer said, when they arrived. In little more than a year, the Power Rangers' share of the market for action figures has jumped to 40% from 4% 
and sales of the product line are approaching $1 billion for the year. $1 billion in 1994. That is a lot of toys. By comparison, sales of Cabbage Patch dolls were $550 million in their best year, while Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles topped out at $450 million. Now, desperate to avoid disappointing their children on Christmas morning, some parents are driving to out-of-the-way stores that have managed, word has it, to obtain a cache of Power Rangers. Some have offered as much as $100 to clerks and toy stores to put aside hard-to-get Rangers. Others, like Rosemary, a mother of two boys in Tuckahoe, New York, is phoning stores every day in search of three new Power Rangers toys. End quote. So, needless to say, the Power Rangers were incredibly popular, and also, apparently, some of these parents really need to get a life. Because, you know, I'm not spending eight hours calling toy stores looking for toys. Not going to happen. Anyways, in 1995, the top-selling toy was the Beanie Babies. What, Vanessa, catch something? Teeny Beanie Baby items. Now at McDonald's, your kids can get Teeny Beanie Babies and a Happy Meal. Real Thai Beanie Babies in a mini size. To toss, tuck, or just plain love. One's in each $1.99 hamburger Happy Meal you buy your kids. This uh, Teeny Beanie Baby items, will she outgrow it? Not necessarily. <laughs> McDonald's also has extra value meals starting at two. The Beanie Babies were created by Ty Warner, who started his toy company, Ty, in the early to mid-1980s. His business started out of his home in Oak Brook, Illinois, not far away from where I grew up. Beanie Babies were first introduced in 1993. At first, they were a collection of various little bears and several colors that were soft to the touch and filled with bean-like plastic pellets, and it made it you know, very easy to display the bears and to position them sitting up. Warner made some critical decisions, which drove up demand early on. First, he refused to sell Beanie Babies in chain stores like Toys R Us and Walmart. He also retired certain Beanie Babies with no notice, also driving up demand. He would often hint at retirements on the Thai website. This led to a market of rare Beanie Babies, which drove up demand. And apparently in 1995, that demand was at its peak, only to fall dramatically. If you would like to learn more about the Beanie Babies, shameless plug number three, I think, uh, if you want to learn more about these these crazy Beanie Babies and the whole story, the backstory and its weird creator, very fascinating story, tune in to episode number 54 of the podcast. In 1996, I'm sure a lot of you remember this for one reason or another, the top-selling holiday toy was Tickle Me Elmo. Watch out, there's something funny going on. It's new Tickle Me Elmo. Your child tickles Elmo and he talks. And laughs. Tickle him again and hold on because his whole body shakes with laughter. Oh, boy. So be on the lookout. He's coming to a funny bone near you. Tickle Me Elmo, the newest huggable member of the Tyco Sesame Street family. Tickle Me Elmo was created by Tyco Toys. It was a plush Elmo doll that could talk and laugh and would vibrate when tickled. Yeah. Not dance or move around, vibrate, shake. Kind of weird. Anyways, it wasn't a big hit at first until the toy appeared on the Rosie O'Donnell daytime talk show. And thus the Tickle Me Elmo craze began. Sales went from around 70 million to almost 350 million because of the toy being showcased on that show. 
people went to great lengths to acquire this toy. A Walmart employee in Canada was trampled by customers who just had to have this toy. Some parents were so desperate to get the Elmo that they paid upwards of $1,000 for an item that retailed for $29.99. Which again, parents, if you feel the need to injure a store clerk over a toy or pay way more than it's worth, kind of need to get a life. Um, Maybe you should see if your local town has a library that you can maybe read a few books maybe even go for like a nice walk or something, cook yourself a nice dinner. Please don't waste your time figuring out where toys are and hurting people. It's really not worth it. And I'm sure your child probably broke that toy three days after you gave it to them. So that was definitely worth it. Or not. Anyways, in 1997, the top selling toy was the Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi, her new favorite pet. Yeah. So what's that make me? Fish sticks? Oh, are you hungry? Oh, no, 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 no. By all means, feed it. Play to your heart's content. Look, Goldie. I took good care of her. And she changed again. Change? How about changing some water here? Katie, your boss is here. So Tamagotchi can pause. I can pause, too. The Tamagotchi was a small keychain-sized electronic device that first appeared in the United States in May of 1997. Inspiration for this toy came from an advertisement, of all places, where a little boy was not able to bring his pet turtle on vacation, which was noticed by a toy executive. It struck a chord with him because he owned a lot of pets at the time. So, in an area of Tokyo, he brought up his idea of a virtual pet to his company, and thus, Tamagotchi was born. It allowed people who owned these devices to have sort of their own virtual pet. And on the packaging of the Tamagotchi, it reads, Tamagotchi is a tiny pet from cyberspace who needs your love to survive and grow. If you take good care of your Tamagotchi pet, it will slowly grow bigger, healthier, and more beautiful every day. But if you neglect your little cyber creature, your Tamagotchi may grow up to be mean or ugly. That's nice. How old will your Tamagotchi be when it returns to its home planet? What kind of virtual caretaker will you be? Now, I was too old at the time, I think, when these came out for to be really interested in this toy. But I know that my younger cousins were certainly very intrigued by Tamagotchi, as were millions of children all across the United States in 1997. Tamagotchi was a huge hit the day that they hit store shelves in the United States. The toys were so popular that they often sold out in stores and scammers would swoop them up and then sell them for an inflated price. The average lifespan of a well-cared-for Tamagotchi was 12 days. Consumers really seemed to like the idea of having a robot-like creature to take care of. The popularity of electronic toys like Tamagotchi likely led to the development of the next item on our list. 1998 was the year of the Furby. The Furby was created by Tiger Electronics, which was owned by Hasbro. It took over a year and a half to create due to the toy's ability to move its eyes, open and close its beak, and talk. 
Furbies looked eerily similar to gremlins, which were in a movie in the 1980s. My sister loved that movie, and she loved Furbies. When a Furby was first purchased, it spoke Furbish, which was essentially gibberish. As the owner of the Furby spent more time with the toy, it would gradually start speaking more and more English. Originally, they were sold for about $35, and as demand increased, the price went to over $100. 1.8 million units were sold in 1998, and 14 million were sold in 1999. In total, over 40 million Furbies were sold during their peak in popularity. I reached out to my younger cousin to ask her about some of the toys on this list, and one thing that she shared with me is that she received a Furby in the late 1990s, I believe, as a Christmas gift. And she was so ecstatic when she opened it, which she was opening the present apparently while she was sitting on an inflatable chair from Limited 2, which is just screams 90s and I find hilarious. And she was so excited to get that toy. And she was prime age for this at that time. So I definitely remember that excitement. And my sister, who was a lot older than her, really enjoyed playing Furbies with her. And I think, I don't know if it was my cousins, but my sister definitely painted her Furbies toenails. And she was like 18. So whatever. You know what? If you like it, you like it. Who cares? You can play with Furbies if you're a young adult. They're fun. Anyways, if you'd like to learn more about Furbies, tune in to episode number 54. That's another very interesting story. And some offshoots of shows and other merchandise that was created with Furbies is quite, quite fascinating. And that brings us to our final toy of the holiday season that was very popular in Pokemon started in 1996 as a Game Boy game, and the rest is, you know, well, history. Pokemon, roughly translated in Japanese, is Pocket Monster. The premise of Pokemon is that a Pokemon is a furry creature with magical powers that lives alongside humans. At first, there were just over 100 different species of Pokemon, but now there are well over 1,000. The Pokemon craze lasted until about 2002, but it's still popular today. My youngest son is actually a huge Pokemon fan. He has a yellow Pokemon sweatshirt that he wears multiple times per week, but, you know, we wash it, of course. The game was so popular that it was eventually made into a television series, an extensive toy line, trading cards, books, and even movies. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Pokemon Go, the the game. I found a good description of the game on TomSky.com. The site says, quote, Pokemon Go uses GPS coordinates as your in-game character walks around a real-world map according to your physical location. Once you're done setting up your character, you will see yourself on a map surrounded by some Pokemon. And this is probably the most bizarre thing that I learned while doing my research for the show. But in case you didn't know or have forgotten... I think I've forgotten and repressed this. Um, A lot of people have actually died because of Pokemon Go. There have been countless accidents and acts of violence surrounding this game. And so what I'm going to talk about a little bit here next is just some of these situations that have happened. And I certainly don't think 
violence or injuries or death is funny, but just as somebody who's dealing with some pretty overwhelming grief, I have to find the humor in things when it's just ridiculous. So just uh, just bear with me here. If I'm if I'm laughing, part of it is just being uncomfortable, and part of it is just trying to find the humor in something that is ultimately really sad. So I'm not making this up. There is a website called PokemonGoDeathTracker.com. Yep, mm-hmm, it exists. I I was on it the other day, and it has a timeline of all of the alleged deaths and accidents associated with the game. So far, there have been allegedly 24 deaths and 62 injuries. There's a big like counter clock at the t- counter clock thing at the uh, top of the website, which is very interesting. So apparently fights have broken out over disagreements while playing the game. And an elderly woman was hit by a driver who was playing the game. I mean, forget grandma got run over by a reindeer this holiday season. I mean, it's really grandma got run over by someone who needs to get a life. Don't get me wrong, grief is certainly no joke. And like I said, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, then you know that the show is is a result of grief, really, that I've been dealing with since my sister passed away in 2019. However, when I read this ridiculous Pokemon Go story, specifically, I just couldn't help but imagine a conversation happening in my head between that elderly woman's daughter and the rest of the extended family. Uh, hello. <laughs> Guess what? Grandma's dead. She's gone. She's gone. Oh, oh my! Oh, oh my God! What? 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 What happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> she's out doing her daily walk. It's an old was playing Pokemon Go. Ran her over. He flattened her like a pancake. <gasps> and scene. The 90s was a crazy, crazy time. I hope you've enjoyed this look back on the top-selling toys of the 1990s, spanning each year of this memorable decade. This show is intentionally being released on my sister's birthday. She would have been 43 this year, so as you can imagine, as much as December is an exciting month for me with the holidays and my family, there will always be a part of me that is missing, especially this time of year. I will never get to reminisce about my childhood with my sister ever again which is heartbreaking and devastating, but reliving these memories has been incredibly therapeutic. Thank you for tuning in to the show this year and other years as well. Thank you so much to the listeners of the show and the guests who have been on. I've made some amazing connections with some really wonderful people. And thank you to my family and friends for their support. I'll be off for the next few weeks as I sort of revamp things, got some some things in the works, but there's a lot of really exciting things to come in 2024. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories. (music) 